0: Kiss me, fat boy. 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 Kiss me, fat warning. The following podcast contains explicit themes and explicit language and is not appropriate for more sensitive and younger listeners. It is also full of things that could be triggering to some individuals, Um, so please uh, proceed with caution. I'll try to give trigger warnings before I start something if I can anticipate it. Otherwise, just please um, catch us on the next one if it's something you think that will bother you in the based on the uh, title of this podcast, okay? We are not affiliated with Mr. King on any level or any way. This is a book club, and we are just reviewing the books and the movies and all the stuff that come from Stephen King. We're not related to uh, anybody to do with him on any level or any of the entities that release his information or his uh, works on various pra- platforms. Um, let's see. Also... The views expressed by those who say them are just those alone and not those of anyone else's sponsors or platforms or other individuals. Um, And uh, triggers already been done. Okay, sorry, I do this live every time because I try to keep it uh, fun. But anyway, um, spoiler warning, uh, if you haven't read or watched or listen to the work named in this podcast, please go do that first. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled for it. Um, You've been mourned. Um, Serena here today, and I'm going to do a solo podcast. I caught a few minutes by myself in the quiet, um, which is a very rare thing. So I'm just going to pick up on one of the many things that I have read or whatever, and I go through that with you guys, okay? So today I'm going to do The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. That is a, it was a novella, or maybe it was a novel. I don't know how many pages. 224 is a novella. Um, It was a 1999 release. And to me, it was like really different, but not different. It's kind of like, it was interesting. I really uh, thought it was interesting, and I already said that, didn't I? I just, I don't know. It was different in some ways and very much the same. Um, I think that... They're going to do a film adaptation of it. Um, so I don't know. There was some illustrations, I think, that came with a version of this book, but I don't know anything about that. I just uh, listened to the book. I listened to audiobooks when it comes to Mr. King. Uh, 224 pages, Scribner's the publisher. Um, okay, so first of all, Uh, Tom Gordon is a a baseball player, and I think Stephen King had said in the beginning that even though Tom Gordon's in this, this is not like really Tom Gordon, kind of like that disclaimer we really put out there for fiction writers is, you know, everything in this is fiction, even though it's based on places or on person, it's just coincidental or it's just a fictionalized version of them. In other words, you know, he didn't want to put it out there that this is like Tom Gordon. I don't know. I'm not really sure. It's not like Tom Gordon was, like, in it. I mean, he was, like, she was hallucinating about him in the way that kind of reminded me loosely of um, Sandy Koufax and Is that his name? I'm really bad with names. And um, Needful Things, with that poor boy's being... <laughs> Brian was being uh, tortured by Leland Gaunt. It was just... I just kept picturing that kind of crap when she was hallucinating. Okay. So... Um, This is about a young girl. I'm not sure how old she is off the top of my head, but um, so they're in the Appalachian Mountains trail, like hiking. And the Appalachian Mountains, let's just uh, take a moment and try to chill and realize how huge and long the Appalachian Mountains are, okay? So it starts in the northeast corner of Alabama or the Foothills and it goes from there, like right on the Tennessee line. It goes all the way up through Tennessee and Virginia. Um, let me uh, let me actually pull up a, a map here real quick and look at it. Okay, so I'm looking at a map, and it's even more extensive than I realized. <laughs> I knew it was big, obviously. Um, Appalachian or Appalachia culture is, uh, I think— more of the rural cu- culture, the idea of maybe like in Virginia and uh, West Virginia. But um, that culture spills into Alabama, all um, things in the woods. We don't do that as much here, but we do have stories about the woods and and whatnot. But, and we have some superstition, but that deep Appalachia idea that's really trending on TikTok, like closure windows at night What's the other one I've seen? You gotta close your windows at night, like cover them up, do not look outside. Do not go outside. What's the other one? If you see something um in the top of the trees, no, you didn't. just keep walking. Um, don't ever be out in the woods at night. Uh, I can't remember the other ones, but like if you hear somebody calling your name, no, you didn't, just keep walking. If you hear somebody screaming or help for help, no, you didn't, just keep walking. <laughs> Things like that. Um we don't really have that as deep in Alabama, but anyway. I live at the very beginning of the foothills, so I grew up on what they call a mountain, even though it's not really a mountain. It's it's not Appalachian <laughs> mountain, but it's the beginning of it. And uh mountain culture is fun if you uh have ability not to be locked into the mountain. Otherwise, I guess it would be very um, daunting if you're completely, you know, lack of technology because, and you know, no service of um, utilities or phone service because of being so isolated. But I don't know how deep that is done to this day. I know it's not a problem where I live. (laughs) Okay, so it's in Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina. Of course, I said Tennessee. Kentucky, Ohio, West Virginia, and Virginia, um, Delaware, Washington, D.C., Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, New Brunswick. So we're in Canada now because Maine's the top. Well, Vermont and Maine, um, they're on the Canadian border. So uh, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, um, Quebec. Saint-Pierre, and I don't know how to say this, so sorry, Mechelon, Newfoundland, and Labrador. So, yeah. um, I just don't know what the term means. Um, I do know that the Appalachian Trail is like a thing people do. Like, it's a goal. People try to do the whole thing. I think, like any hiking, it's dangerous. And if you're out there, you're, you know, there's bears, uh, mountain lions. I mean, even a fox could hurt you, uh, I guess, if there's one of those giant foxes. Coyotes are now here. Um, Yeah, so there's a lot of snakes. I mean, (laughs) but anyway, there's a lot of things that could hurt you in the mountains, okay? So, um, people love to, I know that, like, my aunt and uncle stayed up somewhere and they were camping and they slept in bear cages at night. I mean, it's just, it's a thing, you know. Um, I'm not going to go into the deep history uh, of the Appalachian, uh, everything. But I'm just saying it's a huge, it is a huge, um, it's like an American jungle in a way. And not like a jungle as in whatever the definition of a jungle, but this wilderness, you know. And in the southern parts, it's hot as hell. I mean, we get some coldness, but we're looking at maybe, you know, 20s, 30s, maybe a couple times a year. The rest of the time, it's in the 50s and then all the way up to 90s. So it's more like we're up to 100 in the humidity. So it's more dangerous to be too hot here. And I guess as the further you go up, it'd be more of a danger for it to be cold. I can't imagine Maine being that hot because we were in Maine. When was it? I forg- It was like June or July, and at night it was in the 30s, you know. During the day it would be in the 70s, but it was never hot. So I can't imagine uh, what she was going through it didn't make a lot of sense to me about how hot it was. But, I mean, he would know he lives there, so, <laughs> okay. Um, so that's the Appalachian. Um, you know, people don't think about it going all the way up to Canada because it's more of a like this dueling banjos. People are very um derogatory when they hear Appalachian culture, um, they shouldn't be that way because culture is culture. You should not say somebody's ignorant or less than just for being born or from a certain area. Um, I'm talking about a pure culture without any of the other stuff. I'm not talking about the way that people act. I'm just saying from being for a certain region is not enough to persecute somebody, obviously, even though people do it all the time. Okay, so the family is taking a hiking trip, and Trisha is the main girl. She's little, she's like either early teens or prepubescent. I'm going to say she's like nine or ten, don't remember. Um, so they're taking a hiking trip, and I don't know. Let's see, the mom's there, and there's the brother Pete, and the dad is not there because, um, they had divorced. So I guess it was kind of like a family bonding trip. And, uh, so they were just, you know, having this big moment together. And, uh, during this fine time where they're kind of, Tricia and her brother Pete are arguing. Um, she ends up kind of falling back while they're hiking because she's tired of hearing it. And I think the, Pete was really arguing with Mom about why did you leave Dad? Some bull crap about the divorce. It's really none of his business. But kids think for some reason they get to, uh you know, jerk around their parents, I guess. Anyway, so, she follows back a little bit as they're hiking and then loses her way, you know, spacing out. And she can't find them. Um... So I think what had happened is that she had gone to the bathroom, I guess. You know, and you have to kind of go to the bathroom a certain way because you don't want to, you know, use it on the trail. But anyway, she comes back and she cannot find her way. She's lost. She can't remember which way is which. She tries to backtrack and figure out the way back to the car. She cannot. She's just getting more and more, or I think it's a van. She's just getting more and more lost. And she tries to come up with a shortcut, Right? She's like, I'm going to cut this way and go this way. Well, she slips and falls down um, like an embankment, and it's like gravelly and stuff. She she just gets all cut up, and then she really gets lost because she has basically ended up in the deep, dark woods. Does anybody remember the Gruffalo? I always incorporate that into my Hansel and Gretel story for the kids because I love that deep, dark woods, you know? Anyway... So, she um she's just getting really really. She's like I'm not going to panic. Um she has her little headphones which are radios. Um so she has that. She has some minor provisions like a like um some water, some twinkies, tuna fish sandwich and some celery and boiled egg. She also has See, I thought she said she has a bottle of surge when in the. I thought she had water, but maybe she just has soda pop. She does have a Game Boy and a poncho. And so the. Uh, I guess I don't know if she had like a CD player or just with a radio or just a radio alone. This was in '99. So back then, if you walked with a cd player in your pocket they call them walkmans this is for my people who are from the 19s as my kids say um it would just if you made a bump it would skip so i'm not sure if she but they also had them they had uh tape players that had radios so you could switch from tape to radio and they also i think had cd players the walkmans that do that but i'm not 100 sure I know that some people just had the straight up radios, portable radios that came with them. Um, so she is definitely lost and she's in the middle of the woods in, in Maine. So she starts thinking about, you know, what I got to do to survive. And she's a very smart cookie. And, uh, she, um, she knows some things, and I don't know if it was me, I'd just be, well, no. When I was a kid, I knew you could eat goat grass, and I knew you could eat moss, because they would take us in school out in the woods or at the edge of the woods near the school, because, you know, Alabama is like a quarter covered in forest land, if not more than that. So there's trees everywhere in Alabama, because I'm in Appalachia. But anyway, they would take us out to, like, the edge of the of the woods surrounding the school and point out things that we could do you can eat this moss off the tree. You can eat this kind of grass. It's called goat grass. I don't know if it's really called goat grass, but that's what we called it originally. And if you're thirsty, you can get water out of the tree or something like that. Things like that, you know. And uh, if it's raining, you can drink the rain, which, you know, rain water is not that clean, but I guess it's better than drinking stagnant water which she drinks later in this this book that would make you sick anyway so trisha's running around and she's just like she figures out she knows certain things she can and can't do like she can eat these plants she's not perfectly 100 on it but she knows like okay i can eat this flower for example so she's kind of foraging and she's doing a pretty good job not perfect but okay but then she gets as she gets, it's really hot and sticky, and as she gets deeper and deeper into the woods, she's realizing that I can't find any fresh water. And she's too thirsty. You know, you can go without food, but you cannot go without water. So she does find some questionable water with bugs and stuff in it, and she has to drink it. But she's um she's got a radio on, and she's listening, hoping that they'll announce there's a little girl missing and everything. So she eventually does hear something, but they don't know. Um, Trisha's family does go back and realize she's lost, and they go to the car and they see that she's not there. They were hoping she returned the car, and they call the police. and There's a statewide search, and they do announce it on the, on whatever she was listening to the radio, whatever local radio. She has a hard time in and out of spotty coverage because she's in the middle of nowhere, and uh, she sees a creek and she's like okay i'm going to follow this water because water always leads i think she had an idea that water always leads to um civilization or something like that i guess her idea was that it was if it's a runoff or something draining but she is on the wrong side of it she ends up in a swamp with with a you know she just as kind of like, okay, I'm screwed. But the whole time she's like thinking, you know, what would Tom Gordon do? Uh, and she's listening, um, thinking about his baseball strategy. And I thought it was really cute, you know, to hear a young girl. You know, people were kind of at that era. That was like kind of around the time when they did all those baseball strikes. Um, it was still kind of like, base. people were mad because they're like, you want more money? And I'm not saying they should or shouldn't have done, but that's just what people were saying. So even when the strikes ended, people kind of were like, meh, I'd rather watch basketball and football where they're paid a lot more money than you guys. we <laughs> about the same, but we're not going to complain about them, you know, because people really still, you know, the, ba- baseball's just kind of like past it. I don't know why. I don't know if they just ha- didn't have a good PR team. But, even, but baseball never recovered from that. I don't know if it was the generation that loved it so much died out or if it was based on a cultural shift or if it was just good marketing and bad PR for baseball. I don't know what happened. I know people still like baseball, but I'm just saying it's not this cultural phenomenon that it was. Now everybody's all about the football and then people got mad about the kneeling during the national anthem and a lot of people quit watching it. I'm not commenting on whether it was right or wrong. I'm just talking about what happened and now. So there's still basketball. And, uh, you know, I think people are always going to love football, but it's not as uh, prevalent as it was a few years ago. Like, some people just are like, forget it. I don't want to deal with all this political stuff. And I get it. People have the right to opinions on both sides of it. But what I'm saying is, anytime something comes up in major sports, it's just not a good thing, you know. And I don't think anything like that exactly has happened in basketball, I mean, there's always going to be players who get in trouble for being violent or having assault or murder charges or doing drugs, whatever. There's always going to be people with those kind of problems in every kind of sport from hockey, baseball, even like wrestling, like the fake wrestling. They still do drug tests and have problems and stuff. I'm just saying all sports, all competitive sports still have to deal with people and people have problems, you know? But anyway, so the thing is, is that the thing that I really like because I was kind of like, man, this is like a really tedious book because it was like her going through the forest, her trying to figure out what to do, her rationalizing her decisions, me being impressed with her ability to figure it out. But also me thinking, man, this is like it was like a really good literary device to make me feel the stretched out time with her. I'm not really sure how many days it was. I'll figure it out in a minute, but anyway, she was there for many days, and she has to she has to drink this stagnant water and that just makes her ass really sick and she um it never rains, and that's another thing she really wanted to you know drink fresh water and she couldn't so she had to do what she had to do now she finds out eventually that they've given up the search and it upsets her because she hears it on the radio. And she's also listening to baseball games during her time, you know, going through this. And, um, she sees these weird figures appear to her and she sees them a couple of times. And, uh, one of them basically says like, you're not for us. So we can't help you. You're for someone else. And you're like, what, you know, so you think she's hallucinating, but if you know Stephen King's world, you think, oh God, what is it? And then Tom Gordon even appears to her trying to give her comfort. So it's probably one of these beings appearing to her, trying to save her and help her because they can't intervene too much. Because at the end, there's a standoff between her and this spirit entity. And it could just be a Spiritual representation of her uh, upcoming death, and she fights to get death against the death, because you know, in his world, death and things like that can be a being to represent it in, in his little sp- equivalent to like a spirit realm or whatever. one people call it, you know, like the angel of death or something, you know. Anyway, so she okay. Let's see. So she is nine. I was right about that. Okay. So, she is confronted with what is called the God of the Lost. And that is a wasp-faced evil entity who is hunting her down. And uh she ends up going through, you know, all this hell and everything. And she does survive, okay? And, like, you should know this because you should have already read it, you know? She starts have, developing pneumonia because... During the night, it's really cold, and it's very damp in Maine. She's in Maine uh, near the Canadian border, and I think she actually goes the wrong way and starts crossing over towards Canada. Uh, Instead of crossing back towards Maine, she's going the wrong way for sure. Um, So she um, sees a bear, and uh, she's getting to like this area where there's um, it's like, there's a, like, almost like a abandoned, she gets excited thinking, okay, I'm at this abandoned, um, pasture. There's like fencing and like a road nearby. So she's excited thinking she's finally made it. And all of a sudden, before she can escape, a bear appears. A bear has been slowly stalking her. And the question is, is this really a bear or is this the the god of the lost in disguise because she's meant to be lost and never found so he wants to keep his um, his uh prize or is it really just a bear and she's hallucinating because she had bad she drank bad water, she was throwing up, all kinds of stuff, you know, did she eat some suspicious something or nothing maybe some berries, who knows, I can't remember I think she might have ate some berries but I can't remember what, you know had kind of almost made her hallucinate, plus she had fever so you could say oh this is all hallucination but Knowing that it's all Stephen King, I think we can go ahead and say, yes, this was the God of the Lost disguised as a bear. That maybe her ability to see him was because of her shine, or because she was delirious with sickness and (laughs) coming death and fever, that she was able to see through the disguise, or see what other people couldn't see. So she... um. Decides Basically, it becomes a baseball metaphor for her. And she's like, what would Tom Gordon do? Instead of what would Jesus do, it's what would Tom Gordon do? And, of course, he had been, like, talking to her in her head the whole time. Like, you can do it and everything. So, she, you know, of course, her Waltman had already died at this point. Her little radio had died. She was out of food, out of water. Um, she had developed pneumonia. So she was just beyond delirious. She was starving. She was tiny. Um, she didn't have a lot of reserves. You know, she was just a little, little frail thing. And so, she faces down this bear as if she's about to, uh, she's, what is it, bottom of the nine or whatever? So, anyway, she, um, finds a road, and that's when she sees, you know, the signs of civilization, you know, with this, a gate and, um, pasture and all that stuff. And so, she sees the bear, and she thinks, she knows it's the god of Lost in Disguise. But she faces him and she's like, this is the bottom of the ninth and I must close the game just like Tom Gordon would. And then and, Tim, and then she like basically becomes Tom Gordon in her head, you know, like I'm going to do what he does. She takes um, a pitcher's stance and throws her dead Walkman like a baseball, hitting the bear in the face. And it becomes startled and uh, kind of like, oh, you know. And that is it backs away at that moment, so she stood up and faced her to her, faced death, faced fear, faces god of the lost, and that's when a hunter comes up um seeing what was going on, and he he kill he um does he kill it okay, no, he just he just frightens it away. I was so sure he killed it, but anyway um he uh saves Trisha and she, in her mind, was like, I would have never been rescued by this guy if I hadn't stood up to the God of the Lost. And the way the narration goes, I really do think it was the God of the Lost. And it was so interesting because the other bands are like, we can't help you, you're his. And they wanted to help, but then I think one of them was running around pretending to be Tom Gordon to help her out. She wakes up in a hospital room. Um... She finds her, both her parents are there, and her brother, and then she, um, they have to let her, you know, recuperate, and then, um, her dad, she asks him right as he's leaving, she's like, can you hand me my, um, autographed Red Sox hat, and he goes, he was autographed by, her. that's right, Tom Gordon, and, uh, she points at the guy, which is his, um, Tom Gordon's famous uh tale when he finishes his game or what they call close a game so um so her dad you know is kind of like yeah, you got a kid and anyway it's interesting i guess i mean i really enjoy enjoyed enjoyed the ending i was feeling like i was grueling and dying too i would love to believe in it like a hundred percent that if i took my kids in the woods which i wouldn't because uh where we live in the Appalachians is so freaking dangerous. Like when I go see my mom though they're not, I start to get out of the car and all of a sudden it's like me, 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 me the coyotes. And everybody's like, Oh, they want our chamloy. I'm, like, I'm so sure. I have two small kids. Small, tiny kids, not babies, but they're very close, five and ten, and the ten year old looks like he could be seven. And they won't bother me, but they love to grab little things, so they might grab my kids. So I'm not getting out of my car. Um, there was a bear that ran across when I first got married to Mike, there was a bear that ran across the front uh yard when we were like, What was that? And I'm like, Man, that was a bear and my parents were like, Oh no, that was probably just the dog or a a rabbit or something and then later on it was confirmed that there was uh I think they're black bears. And then the black bears run around town and stuff, causing havoc, but like dangerous. They're dangerous, you know. Don't let don't think for one minute they're not wild animals. Um, you can go outside and get bit by a water moccasin if you get too close to a pond. You can get um bit by rattlesnakes. Um, black widows are everywhere, brown recluses are everywhere. I mean, Alabama's just like full of things that can hurt you in the woods and in nature. So I would never take my kids out in the woods. If they want to go, they'll have to go with someone who's like a professional, not me. Anyway, um, so, and I was a kid, I used to go out in the woods, but we didn't have coyotes like we did now. We had like rumblings of a pack of wild dogs that came roaming, but you could hear them coming because they'd bark. So I'd take my dog, I had a um, black lab mixed with a, uh, an English Shepherd dog, and they were, he was the best dog. And so he would take me and he would walk with me and I'd have a stick and we would just walk. And if there was a snake or anything, he would stop and I'd stop and we'd listen. So we had like a system and I usually went places with my sisters. But if I love to wander the edge of the woods, I never went deep in them, but I've been in the woods and I would just take uh, my dog with me. That's how you keep safe. But nowadays it would be it wouldn't be safe, you know. Anyway, um, so what I was trying to say before that little tangent was I could see how easily a kid could get lost. So I'm not going to blame the mom or anything because I've been places all of a sudden my kids are like like at the park. I'm like watching them there one minute gone the next and you look and they've gone over next to some kids doing something. Even though you told them do not go anywhere but the park, do not go over here to the basketball court. We live near a lake, so I'm like, don't go down the lake. If you want to go, come ask me, and I'll watch you and take you. Or at least let me know if you see your friends. Don't run off with them. Tell me first. And they just do. They see their friends, they run off. That's what happens with kids. They don't think, you know, both my kids have ADHD. And my daughter has an auditory processing disorder. So sometimes she just doesn't hear me. And my son, he has ADHD, and he also has anxiety, so he's more prone to check and so make sure mom's still there because he has a fear of being left behind or whatever. But when he gets with his friends, he gets so happy, he, his anxiety melts away and he'll just walk around and do whatever and I have two kids. And I'm trying to watch them, but you only got, you can only look one place at one time. So it's just scary. Um It's really a two person job. So like me and my husband, I'll take one, he takes the other, if we're able to do that. When we go to big places like Disney World or we go to Wolf Lodge, I'll take one, he takes the other. And it's not always the same kid. Like, sometimes he'll take her, sometimes I'll take him, and vice versa. So you just have to, you know, I feel uh, my heart goes out to people who don't have the ability to share um, that kind of help with somebody in their life, whether it be a spouse, partner, um Even if it's just a parent that you're co-parenting with, but you're not romantic with anymore. Or it's like an aunt, uncle, cousin, sibling, anybody who can help you. Your parents, you know, the kids, biological parents, if you're adopting. You know, I'm just saying there's like, if somebody can help you, that's such a great thing. But not everybody has that. And this mom was in one of those situations where she's going through a horrible divorce. And her kid's giving her mouth about it. Like she doesn't already feel bad, you know. And she's just trying to bond, just family bonding time. And one of the kids just kind of fall back and boom, gone. It's scary. Um, it turned out okay, obviously, because it's fiction. But, uh, you know, it doesn't always turn out like that. I can't think of a specific story of a kid who got lost hiking. I know there got to be hundreds, if not thousands, over the years, but... I mean, I never heard, like, personally of a child locally that I know of that came up missing hiking or out in the woods by themselves and never was found. Um, mostly when kids come up missing around here, it's because they've been kidnapped. Uh, that's, like, actually the only reason why kids come up missing around here. So whether it be friendly kidnapping of a parent just trying to take their custody away from the other parent Or something more salacious. Anyway, I guess I sound really weird. I'm sorry. This was just a weird, um, this was a weird story, but I wanted to cover it while I could, while there's a little bit of quiet in the house. And, uh, hopefully this will be all right. And, uh, you guys have a great day. Bye.